You're about to enter Nowhere, California. If you like what you hear, please search for us on iTunes. Uh, look at Nowhere, California, all one word. You can also find us on Facebook.com slash Nowhere, California. Please hit like. And as always, we are very hungry for your feedback. So if you have any requests or anything like that, please send your love, your hate, or your apathy to Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. I told you the last time we talked about the Wolves of Saving Hill, it wouldn't be the last. Here's another special Nowhere, California. Well, this is Josh. And still no Phil. Got a problem with it? It's called an email. Nowhere underscore California at Yahoo.com. Anyways. Last time we did a special Nowhere, we talked to John Benton Hill and David Cooley about the film The Wolves of Savin Hill. This time around, we are talking to the great actor Jason Oliver. We're talking about The Wolves of Savin Hill and his career in general. So, I'm not going to waste any more time. We're going to go right to the conversation. We are now joined by Jason Oliver. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Uh... Thanks for taking the time to talk to us about the great movie, uh, Wolves of Saving Hill. Yes, yes. It's a very, uh, uh, very interesting uh, project in a lot of ways. Uh, I guess before we jump into uh, the wolves, uh, let's uh, start from the beginning. Uh, when did you start acting? Well, I'm from originally from the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, I really, really got into acting you know, around sixth grade. Uh, my first play was uh, Tom Sawyer, and although I didn't get the part of Tom, I got a pretty good part, and from then on, I, I got the bug. So I started pretty young, I started around, you know, 10. That's an early age to catch that bug. Yeah, well, my mother was an actress um, in New York, and she was a studio actress at the uh, Actors Studio back in the 50s, so I inherited the gift my mother. Oh, that's awesome. Um, one of your uh, first credits that I noticed is uh, in the iconic film Stand By Me. How did you come across uh, getting that role? It was a very interesting process because um, growing up in Northern California back in the 70s, even though it wasn't the 50s, I grew up just like those kids. And I think that Rob Reiner was really keen on hiring actors who had some sort of um, relation to that background of those kids, which means I got into a lot of trouble. Sometimes I got away, sometimes I didn't. It was just the age, and I think that film uh, really enhanced all that. And there there was a lot of, uh, I guess now they're big names, but back back in that time they were just uh, up and coming. How was it working with that group of actors, like uh, Keith Sutherland, Will Wheaton, and uh, Jerry yeah. O'Connell? Um, I knew that River Phoenix and um, had done the film The Goonies. He had just finished shooting that. And then Kiefer had just finished shooting at close range with Sean Penn, who I actually got to meet. I went in to read for at close range for the part of Sean's brother. I didn't get the gig, but Kiefer was already up and coming because he had won a, uh, he's from Canada. He'd already won like a Canadian uh, award for like best performance in a film so I knew a little bit about him of course I know his father and then um, basically Corey Feldman I've seen and, and stuff so you know everybody was sort of up and coming was it uh, fun to work on that set at that age I know there's like sometimes you hear different stories about 
teens working on movies and it's kind of like they get in a lot of trouble or anything like that was kind of like that or was it pretty mellow set it was an incredible exciting um, part of my life because I had not worked on a film prior to that I had done some commercials and a little bit of TV <clears throat> so the whole experience for me was like the Wizard of Oz it was magical and uh we all hung out together, you know, we played a gang. So, you know, uh, Kiefer and I, and Bradley Gray, Casey Shamasco, we all, we all hung out together every day. It was wonderful. That's awesome. Um, at that time, uh, with the production and everything, did you guys have the feeling it would become such an iconic movie as it is now, or was it kind of just, let's see what happens with it? Well, I knew that Rob Reiner had already you know, put his mark in Hollywood with a wonderful, funny film called Spinal Tap. Classic. And I also knew that Rob Reiner, I grew up watching television and all the family, so I had a sense that this was going to be a lot bigger than I imagined, only because of Rob Reiner and his dad, Carl Reiner. You know, they've been in the business a long time. But also the fact that this, the, the Stand By Me is based on a short story by Stephen King and, you know, what Stephen King, you know, really made his mark in Hollywood. So I had a feeling, but I didn't know, I didn't realize how big this thing was until Charlton Heston came to the screening, uh, just a cast screening, and he <coughs> opened up with, this is one of the best films ever made. Then wow. I knew we were on to something big. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Get that seal of approval. That's that's something you don't yeah, forget. It's pretty amazing, you know. Uh, throughout your career, you've worked a lot of different genres. Is there a particular style that you enjoy working more than the other, like drama to horror or sci-fi or anything like that? I, you know, I really love it all. I mean, I was the kind of kid that if I would go to the movies every weekend when I could, and um, everything from seeing science fiction to drama to action adventure is just in my imagination. I love all the mediums, yeah. That's cool. And then I guess to uh, extend on that question, um, through your credits, you do have some uh, TV work, uh, too. Is there, like, one that you prefer more than the other? Like, you have worked on independent films, and you've worked on high-scale films, and then also TV. Is there one that you kind of like that production style than the other? Well, I think one of the biggest moments I had in my career was working on a, a NBC pilot for um, Hallmark a Christmas special called I'll Be Home for Christmas. And uh, I was cast with Courtney Cox and a bunch of people. But when I found out who were, it's a World War II story, and I play a soldier going off to war. I found out who was playing my parents, and that was huge. Um, my mother was played by Eva Marie Saint, who, you know, is an amazing actress. Yes. You know, in my favorite film, On the Waterfront. She was playing my mother, and then I found out that Hal Holbrook was playing my father, and I was. it was just an amazing experience to work with both those actors. That I learned a lot. That that's that's uh, I'm kind of speechless on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting because my mother's generation is Eva Marie's thing. When my mom was in New York studying, Mama Brando was doing Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway. 
Yeah. But then on the waterfront also opened. And that's that set Eva's career in that film. That's one of my favorite films of all time, so oh, that yeah. that is very cool. It's phenomenal. I guess now to jump into the world of the wolves of Saban Hill, uh, how did you come across that project? Well, I've known John for a few years now, and, and also I'm a writer too. I'm a screenwriter too. And I've, you know, I've done some independent projects that I've written. And he and I were sitting in a coffee house one day, and he's working on his script, and I worked on mine, and we didn't know each other, but from that day on, we became best friends. And so, um, you know, he had known my work, and, and I knew he was a very gifted writer. And so, you know, uh, this business is about endurance. It's, sometimes things don't happen right away. You've got you to be patient, and you've got to believe. And John's very driven, very driven from a very, very uh, good family, strong family. I'm driven too. So, you know, it was, it was, it was something that was going to hit. We just didn't know when, when he was ready. Boom, I got the call, and there we go. That's awesome. Uh, what stuck out in this uh, script that made you go, oh, yes, this is definitely something I'm, I want in on? Well, in some aspects of the story, the story is really about secrets. And it's also about drug addiction and alcoholism. I really believe that the metaphor of this story is about how sometimes uh, somebody who's, you know, on the dark side can afflict everybody around them. And I think that's what this film's about. I think it's not just about the person who's doing bad, but how he's affecting everybody around him. So the film really is quite dark. Yes, um, definitely. Yeah, but there is some sort of redemption, um, hopefully for the children, that they don't end up like their mother and father. So, uh, for me, it was a story that, um, it's in an everyday American life, unfortunately, and that's what drew me to the project. And uh, as you were talking about redemption, uh, your character in the movie is one that is trying to lead Tom into kind of a redemption road, but then realizes he's not looking for that road. I guess in the most uh, non-spoiler way possible, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your character? Well, I play, I play a guy who's in recovery who also seems to be a compulsive liar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which means that, I don't know, I mean, he's, yes, he's definitely an angel in a way, that comes into the story to help the lead character who's in the trauma. Yeah. But at the same token, you know, tries to help him the right way and suddenly realizes that, well, maybe I should help him the wrong way too. Um, but in doing so, the consciousness of my character suddenly feels an amount of guilt for leading him down a, the wrong road. And, basically says, you know what, he didn't listen to me, he should have gone to the police with this, and here I am trying to get you a gun. Yeah. What's my motive here? And I think my character stops himself, and at the same token, leaves a message, which is, you know, you got, now you have the choice, my friend, you either walk the right way or the wrong way, but I'm out of this. Yeah, you got a nice picture out of the deal, too. Yeah, yeah, it was 
Yeah, I, I, I did like that aspect of the parting ways where he still got the painting and was just like, you do what you need to do, I'm out of here. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know what, I think what the, the character meant to help him and obviously said, the first thing he says is, I think you should go to the police with all this, not knowing that this what this guy has done. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you're going to find that uh, in, in a recovery program or out on the street, you know. Um, but he did meet the guy in a recovery program, so therefore he thought, "Oh, this guy needs help, and he wants help. I'm going to help him." And by doing so, um, he thinks that the, that the the process of giving him a gun is this guy's not going to go out and do any harm. He just needs the gun to protect himself. So therefore, it's a good thing. Yeah, kind of. The character kind of had blinders on to what the ramifications could have became. Yes, exactly. So I question my character too. I mean, even though his motives are good, um, it was a, it was kind of a difficult character to play because he's, he he does the right thing and then he does the wrong thing and then he suddenly realizes he does does the wrong thing. You know, it's, it's kind of ambiguous. Definitely, that's. As much as I describe the movie as dark and intense, it's uh, it's a very ambiguous movie in the best way possible, too. You know, John, John's really a fan of foreign films. And a lot more foreign films um, don't have a closure such as American films. Like, you know, there's always got to be a happy ending with American films. This is what John told me. Yeah. And in foreign films, they leave it open. A lot of times there isn't a redemption. Um, but the crazy thing about this film, other than other films that I worked on, after you watch this film, the images stick with you. Oh, yeah. John's a master with cinematography. I mean, he's a master. He's got a camera eye. And uh, that, that's, that's amazing. That he, he shot this thing all by himself. He did not have a cameraman. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, one of the things that John brought up when we were talking was the fact that a lot of people feel the movie is very violent, but then he reminds them, how much violence did you really see in this movie? And honestly, there isn't really a lot of on-screen violence. Exactly. And the violence is almost um, with the emotional contact of the characters and with the words. Definitely. I mean, the most violent scene is when they pop that guy in the garage. That's it. Yeah. And it, it, but the violence really is the, you know, I don't want to give it away to people, but, but yeah. it's the evidence of the subject. Yeah, and uh, talking about closure and everything, and uh, I guess another reminder, and I guess the most non-spoiler way possible, how, how did you react when you first read the initial ending in the script, and how was your reaction to the finished product's ending? Oh, that's a very good question. has 
one that's probably going to end up being okay. Yeah, compared to everybody around her. <laughs> yeah, she's sort of the, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, this film's really about holding secrets and addiction. It's like that movie Monster, you know, in a sense. It's, it's or, um, oh, you know, there's a horror aspect to this film. Well, oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I definitely agree monsters, with that. Monsters, you know, yeah. monsters who are corrupted by the society and also are addicted. Addicted to the cycle of the darkness. Yeah, it's a, it's a psychological thriller. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you. And that in that aspect, uh, with the the dark, the dark intensity of this movie. How was the mood on set during the production? Were you guys keeping it kind of lighthearted due to the dark matter subject matter, or was it pretty much kind of a back and forth? Oh, you mean uh, the, the feeling while we were shooting? Yeah, kind of the morale on set, the mood. Oh, well, for me, it was really easy, because uh, John's very quick. You know, he'll do like three or four takes. I'm like a three or four take kind of guy, so... But the, the, the ironic mood for me was when we shot that scene in the cemetery. Uh, we actually went to a cemetery and shot that scene, and then I pulled out this painting of It just, the, if you want to paint the picture, it's, it's totally, you know, horror. It's yeah. monstrously horror. We're in a graveyard. I pull out a picture of Boris Karloff. It, it seemed to be... And the genius on the part of John Wright is genius because it's, it deals with the dead. You know, and this film deals with the dead and yeah. the ghosts that come back to haunt these characters. And what is Frankenstein? Frankenstein is a story of a, of a guy who comes back to life. What's the metaphor of the story? It's a graveyard. Yeah. You know... That's that's yeah. a that's a good way yeah. to look at it. It's it's very much more closer to a foreign foreign type film, I think, an American film. But you know, John John's influences of great films and directors I already know, and they're in this movie. There's Scorsese in this film. There's John Frankenheimer in this film. There's a lot of uh, William Friedkin. Oh yeah, definitely. John has a lot of his influences in this movie, and that's a great filmmaker. To show your influences, you know. Basically without, to pay homage to those guys. Them, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Just show your, I mean, even Hitchcock was influenced, you know. I did get that Hitchcock vibe with this one too, the kind of the back and forth, and especially as we were talking about the secrets of it, the every, how everything is just looming, it, it was definitely a Hitchcockian feel. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's, um, yeah, yeah. It, it's corruption all the way around. From a mother who's a drug addict to a crooked cop uh, to a guy who can't, you know, to a guy who's murdered. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, Definitely. Uh, how was it working with the cast and crew on this film? Oh, fantastic. Just, I mean, the talent, the talent that was on this project, some of my favorite actors are in this. 
such as Jack McGee. I'm a big fan of Jack McGee's. And, uh, of course, David was wonderful to work with. We've known each other for a while. Everybody was just, everybody was into this. Because we all know that sometimes in order to get, I mean, this is an art picture. So we all know that we're working on something very artistic. You can t- definitely tell the passion with the crew and the cast with the finished product. Uh, what was your thoughts uh, on the finished product? How did you react to the finished film as a whole? Oh, I think that it, it ties in really well. Um, I'm very happy with it. I'm very happy with it. Um, it's, I think it's going to leave an impact, and I think that, that hopefully it will set a style to what Hollywood used to be. See, I think Hollywood has lost its... How should I say? And it's not Hollywood's fault. It's just, you know, everything's in the HD and all this stuff. And I really hope that the industry goes back to making film. Definitely. That's kind of the whole, like, one of our running things on the show is, like, for Hollywood to get back to the creative aspect of it, get back to the yeah, original ideas. Yeah, so I think on the subject matter, this is a film that, this is something Michael Mann would have done back in the 70s or the early 80s. It's very close to Michael Mann. Oh, that is so true, yes. Yeah, I think, they have, I, I think more than any filmmaker, I keep telling John, I said, John, this is a Michael Mann project. This is something Michael Mann, the way John shifts is very close to Michael Mann. That is true, that is definitely true. Um, honestly, uh, that's about it. Uh, thank you, Jason, so much for talking with us. Could you uh, tell us where we can find you online and if you have any uh, projects or anything you want our listeners to know about? Um, right now I'm currently working with a, a director and we're working on an espionage picture. Um, if you want to find me, I'm on IMDb <laughs> and Facebook, Jason Lawler's Facebook, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with us. All right, Josh. Thank you.